Strength Matters Media, video, print, podcasts. This is the Fit Over 30 podcast. If you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe and review so we can reach more people and spread the Fit Over 30 message far and wide. Welcome to the Fit Over 30 podcast, the podcast for people over 30 who want to look better, feel better and perform better. If you're new to the show, we release a new episode every Tuesday. But if you're listening to this and you're not part of the inner circle, you're missing out on some great content, including video courses, books, masterclasses, workouts, private group and our coveted monthly print magazine. You can discover our very best content and join at strengthmatters.com forward slash inner circle. Now back to the show. On today's show, we speak to the founder and CEO of Go Rook, a former Special Forces operator with the Green Berets. He's grown the company from, well, basically the back of a truck to running over a thousand events a year and managing 500 Go Rook clubs all over the world. Uh, he also proudly serves on the board of directors of the Green Beret Foundation and in 2020 co founded Sandlot Technology, which we'll find out more about on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to introduce Jason McCarthy. Jason, welcome to the Fit Over 30 podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. So it is a pleasure. And of course, I've got to introduce my co-host, James Breeze, but we leave you till the end because you're not very important. So we just, you know, the guest comes first, right? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Jason, it's uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've uh, and thank you, Gray Cook, for for introducing us. Much uh, much appreciated. As James said before we start recording, um, we've uh, followed you and Go Rock for a while, and we wanted to get you on. So it's great to have you here. Uh, in case the listeners don't know anything about Go Rock or about you, uh, could you just start off by telling us uh, a little bit more about your background, uh, your time in the military, and how you ended up founding Go Rock? There's a lot to unpack there. I'll give you the I'll give you the, the, the yes. <laughs> hasty enough version. Right. So I mean I, I ended up joining the army. I ended up joining the the army after 9-11 because of 9-11. And you know, I was 22 years old when the towers fell, and that was just kind of my yep. call to arms. And so it took me a while to figure out what that exact path was going to be or or look like, but eventually mm-hmm. enlisted to the Army Special Forces, which is, you know. Something where you you can enlist in, but then you have to make it through all the training. For us, it was about two years, and it was very humbling in new and wonderful Mm -hmm. ways to go through that kind of stuff with the people that I went through and then joined my my unit, 10 Special Forces Group, and deployed quickly to, to Iraq in 2007 and then was in Africa and Europe in 2008. And at the same time, uh, m- my wife was in the CIA, so she was posted in West Africa, in Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and after I'd gone to war, I went on Christmas leave, so vacation, quote, quote, to mm-hmm. war-torn West Africa, and I built her a go bag. And, and it's like, man, they love goo in Africa. And the big difference was, I mean, you go to war, you have gun trucks, and you have your team, and you have all mm-hmm. this stuff. And where it was in West Africa, it was kind of like, like the hair on the back of my neck was standing up kind of mm. consistently, you know, but everything seemed better, fun. So, yeah. you know, it seemed <laughs> more civil in its own way. It was very, it's very kind of odd to go from the, the, the gamut, run the gamut of emotions there. But anyway, I built her a, a go bag and did some security improvements on her kind of house a little bit or walked through some of the steps and then mm. I built a go bag for her, car and just like hey just have this stuff in case you know 
they start a, a coup, which they love over there. <laughs> and, you know, cause if you're in your car, you just need, you know, you need extra a pair of running shoes or, yeah. you know, you need batteries or a way to communicate or, you know, primitive weapons, stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, that was just kind of the starting, like trying to figure out what I was going to do if, when I got out of the army and, mm. you know, she just said, Hey, you should do the go ruck thing. And so I think what that, what that meant was take the special forces way of life and kind of teach others what that, what that would be. And the first step was going to be West Africa. And it kind of never, it never, that part never really took. It's kind of a, it's hard to start a business, let alone yeah. <laughs> in, in West Africa. And so it, it, one thing led to another. And before you know it, I've got this ad for a quote, quote, backpack designer in Craigslist, New York City. And I found <laughs> this, this design team in Bozeman, Montana. So we started out with gear and rucksacks and stuff like that, that were yeah. built on special forces quality and standards and construction and kind of performance. And so that took, you know, two and a half years until we had anything that was built up at all. And throughout that, like when you get to this sort of events in the community and rucking or tabbing or, you know, carry that weight on your back, which is essentially the, and, and do it with friends preferably, which is kind of the, the, the overarching mission that we're for at go ruck. That was not the master plan. You know, the master yeah. plan was to kind of, Hey, this is pretty, there was no master plan is the short of it. But I kept enjoying <laughs> the community building and stuff. And in, in terms of the gear, it just sort of built stuff that I had used that I knew. And it, as it turns out, you know, whether it's SAS selection or it's Army Special Forces in America selection, I mean, rucking is the foundation. It's not mm. all the it's not all the carnage you see on TV or whatever. It's you with your rucksack and lots and lots of miles. And it proves to be a great test of human performance, both physically and mentally. And, and so that was what I knew. And, you know, I think Hemingway said, you should write what you know. And I was just, in this case, I was just kind of doing what I knew. And, and then that was just the foundation for where go ruck was, was going to go. Nice. Nice. And nice quote from Hemingway. Love it. It's uh, very, very intellectual in this podcast. I like it. <laughs> and, don't, don't uh, we'll, we'll bring it down. We'll bring it down very soon, Henry. Don't we? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got fat knuckles too. I can just keep them dragging on the ground if you guys prefer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word, that's good. So I say it took. Um, did you go through a lot of design uh, processes, successes, and failures in those in those two years? I guess it took a it took a while. It's to really get to the only failures. Like I'll give you, right. a, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's only failures until you kind of accept where it is, right? Another quote that I use a lot is like, great art is never finished, it's only abandoned, right? I think that was nice. Da Vinci, but I could be wrong on that one. I mean, <laughs> like, look, it, it's nothing is ever going to be perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. But you have to get it, you have to hold yourself to certain standards, and then you have to execute on on that. And our standards are remain and, and were extremely high. And as it turns out, you know, serving in special forces had increased my standards to a, an extreme level that proves to be higher than what, you know, other quote, quote, backpack companies are, mm. are doing. And so we just ended up building really great gear without even, I, I wasn't even thinking about competition. I was just trying to build yeah. the best thing that we could possibly get built. And and so it was, it was just a series of catastrophic failures that cost, you know, everything <laughs> I had and a lot of sanity yeah. and, and all sorts of stuff. And then it was like how to build a business where you're selling $300, you 
rucksacks that people don't yeah. want. And that's where, you know, it was just kind of, we'll figure it out. And so came up with this event called the go ruck challenge, which was kind of like fight club with rucksacks. And, you know, you meet at one in the <laughs> morning it. and one yeah. in the morning and, you know, details not forthcoming. And it was just this team event. And, you know, the hardest thing to do, this is like the entrepreneur's journey part of the story, but the hardest thing to do is to go from zero to one. Right. Yeah. In terms of, I have nobody that likes this. Let me get to one because once you have one, yeah. you can start some word of mouth and, and depending on the business, you know, one is uh, just means the, the, the hurdles. And so how do you break through in a crazy, busy, crowded world with something that's meant to stand above? And, and the go Rock challenge mm-hmm. is what absolutely broke us through, broke us through so that we would have an actual brand or an actual company, not just kind of an idea for, for one. So was that were you was the business struggling then before you got the challenges up and running? Uh, I mean, yeah, by every stretch of the word. I mean, I had every dollar <laughs> poured into inventory yeah. that was just rotting. So you know, you you can't endure that <laughs> very long. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, like it happened pretty fast. You know, I mean, the thing was is the the development, the design is what took forever, I and mean, that was two and a half years. And so, yeah. You know, because mining it is different than scaling it in manufacturing, which, you know, was its own kind of nightmarish lessons. And then, you know, I was driving around the whole country, I drove to 48 states in a truck with my dog and, and all that stuff. And it was, you know, it was beautiful and rewarding and, and horrible for business. And, mm. you know, it was, it was like, I got to figure something out because that wasn't working. You know, trying to go visit small shops to wholesale or I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of along for the ride a little bit. And that's, that's my nature is to go out and explore, not to just kind of like push on the, push on the front of the the spear. Right. Like not, yeah. not on the back, like carving the wood on the handle, like ah, just, just get out in front. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that was just one of those things where that was a few months and, and then, you know, that was the summer of 2010. And then the first go rock challenge was September 26th think of, of 2010. So it happened pretty fast. And it's not like that was the great savior. It was just one of those things where it, it felt like we had mission and purpose and people actually mm-hmm. cared about it. And so I just poured all of my energy into leading people on these kind of crazy team events. And then it worked. Nice. What, what does a go rock challenge involve? Well, remember, this is the this is sort of the the fight club of of w- w- with rucksacks. So we have lots <laughs> of stuff. I mean, I will say, just like special forces training, rucking is the foundation. So you show up with your yeah. rucksack and you have some weight in it, and then yeah. it's just team building stuff. I mean, you're doing PT, so physical training. You're moving together. You know, at a 25 person class, say with with a, a guy who's a, a combat decorated veteran of special operations. So. You know, you could have Navy or Army or Air yeah. Force or, or Marines or whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, someone that's comfortable in building teams. And that's kind of the mm-hmm. core of what the Green Berets do is we work by, with, and through partner forces. Again, I'm just kind of doing what I what I knew, not, not, not yeah. taking some huge leap. It's just kind of how to apply it in this setting. And so, you know, the first events started out at around eight hours. You know, and, and then they gradually became 12 hours and then 
you know, they got really long, like the one that was <laughs> you know, details not forthcoming. It ended up being like 18 hours. And I was like, no, we, we got to separate these events out. So we came out with, you know, it was like a three hour version. There's a six hour version. There's a 12 hour yeah. version. There's a 24 hour version. But at its core, it's like, this is really some pipe hitter stuff. And yeah. The foundation of all of this, how do you train for this is how all it's it's also how you become a lot healthier. You put 20 pounds on your back and you go for a walk. And as you get better at that, just increase the weight or increase the distance or increase, you know, the the pace, like take your pick. There's all sorts of ways to kind of challenge yourself to do more. And, and for us as a, as a business and as a movement kind of spearheading and pioneering the, the idea that everyday people should go for a ruck. Like, mm. Don't just walk the dog, ruck the dog. Don't just, you know, I mean, the, the, people aren't strangers to this. I mean, hiking is just rucking in the mountains. I mean, if you have a backpack and you're traveling through an airport, if you knew what you were doing, you knew that you were actually doing it, you you probably felt like, man, this is good for me, you know, mm. and, and stuff like that. So, um, so you can, you can take this to, to enormous extremes. I mean, Go Ruck is kind of a command as well, right? It's, I was going to say, like, I, love, I love the name. It's like, go on, go, do it. It's, it's yeah. like a, it's a call to action. I love the name. It's great. And, and it's anything from go outside and, and go for a Ruck, literally, or it's, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of things that you can, you can tear that up in your life wherever you are. And, and I'm not here to, like, this isn't some kind of enormous gate or something that, we're all about like, you have to do the hardest thing all the time. I think that's kind of a recipe for people, too many people to, to do nothing. Right. It's Mm -hmm. this sort of this idea that people are chasing perfection or they're chasing only the extremes. And what I I think is is the best thing you can do is is just start moving more now and see, see where that too, instead of, uh, instead of just hoping or wishing or getting, envy at other people that look a certain way or can do certain things that maybe you think you can't get. Yeah, absolutely. The, the sort of the closest I came to uh, a, a good, good few years back now to doing a kind of a an impromptu rucking uh, event similar to sort of, uh, well, I was about to say similar to Special Forces, nothing like Special Forces training, but as close to Army as, as, you, as you could. A mate of mine um, joined the uh, Parachute Regiment um reserve regiment and he went through a, lo- a lot of stuff some of the stuff he had to do like the log race and uh up and down all these hills and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff but one of them was the uh was the 10 miler uh so you had to do uh 10 miles in full kit boots and everything carrying i think it was 16 uh kilos um and i was like okay you've done which what's that in pounds anyone know in pounds like 30 pounds, 40 pounds something like that yeah that's about it? right yeah. um so I was like, okay, mate, you've done this. So to sort of as a little hat tip to you, I'm going to give the I'm going to give the ten miler a go because it's an event you can do in the UK. Uh, the parachute regiment organise a, a couple of them each year, but uh, I didn't put enough miles. This was before I knew anything about training. I didn't put enough miles in uh, walking. I didn't put enough miles in my boots. In I certainly didn't put enough miles carrying weight in. Um, so we did it. It was actually, unfortunately, the, the same weekend that a couple of guys died in Penifan doing special forces selection. So it was like 30, 31 degrees through the hottest two hours of the day. Um, and uh, it was hell on earth. Celsius. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. 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 Celsius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the cold is what I, I, I enjoyed it. And I, put, quit, I had to push myself. To die. 
Yeah. I mean, I had, I had a camel back and everything and, and stuff, but like I said, I hadn't, I hadn't put enough miles in, uh, especially with the weight on my back. Um, and I got to like mile eight and I was just like, oh my God, I'm never going to get around this. But uh, I was like, no, I can't, I can't quit. My mate did it. I've got to do this. This is his own. I'm not going to do the, uh, you know, the up and up and down all the hills that he had to do at Catterick and uh, the blooming, the, the log. So you finished? Like that. I finished it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get the, the, uh, the qualification time, but I, I did it. Just over two hours, I think. What's it was. the qualification time? One fifty. One fifty was the qual- qualification time. Um, All right, that's pretty so, good. Yeah, no, it was, but it was good. It was a good challenge. Um, so definitely needed some practice at that time. But as you say, anyone can go. Every anyone can go rook or or yomp or tab, as we call it uh, in, in in this country. What would you say, like starting points for for people would be just as you say, just sling a rucksack on your back and go for a walk. Twenty minutes, half an hour. Yeah, I mean, it, the the starting point is is walking, right? So if you're, yep. I mean, it's, this is like the best the best way to do it is to also have some accountability, and and this is like the touchy feely <laughs> part that there is absolutely no money in any of this stuff, so nobody ever talks about it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, we all stare at our phones so much, or we think that everybody else has things figured out. We think that you know everyone looks like whatever. And it's like, if, if we actually look up and say, okay, am I moving enough? Like, do I mm-hmm. walk enough? I mean, you know, there's a, there's this, uh, a really good friend of mine named Michael Easter who wrote the comfort crisis. It's, it's a fantastic book and I highly recommend it. And his big push is for people. So he's got this great stat. It's when you have an escalator versus the stairs, 2% of people take the stairs. And like, be a two percenter is the call. Like, don't be a hero, right? Like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to drive 30 minutes to the gym to, you know, beat myself up as hard as I possibly can for 30 minutes. And then I'm going to drive home. And like, that's my exercise. I I think that that's fine. There's a place for that. I mean, I've I've got that Mm. Jeep, right? (laughs) Although I'd rather (laughs) bike or ruck there or something if, if, if or when possible. But the bigger thing is like, just change the patterns of your life so that we move more. That, that would, that would be the best single place to start. Um, yeah. Walking being great and, and when and where you can, if, if you're going to walk, putting 20 or 30 pounds on your back while you do that is a fantastic way to challenge yourself a little more. It, it, it opens up your, your shoulders. They go back, your posture mm. opens up you know, you're, you're doing these things correctly. There's this completely unfounded idea that rucking is going to hurt your back. It's completely not true. Right. And this Mm -hmm. is coming from Dr. Stu McGill. It's coming from, you know, all sorts of physical therapists. I mean, what hurts your back is slunching uh, is slouching over all day and Mm -hmm. slouch over. You can feel it, feel your back. When you slouch over that lower back is is curving in a way that it's not meant to then stand up, put your shoulders back and tell me if, if, if it feels better. Now put 20 pounds on your back and now walk and tell me if it feels even better. And, and what's going to happen is, is it will feel better. And yeah. so I think that there's all sorts of different ways to kind of say, Hey, can I just walk a little bit more? And, and if I'm going to walk, can I ruck? Can I ruck the dog when I have, you know, my kids were a lot younger and you know, there's, there's sometimes there's, well, they're, they're not that old now they're 10, seven and five. But the best thing I could do as a dad was get my kids out of the house, right? Mm. Mom needs a little time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. she's the central figure. Yeah. Like, go outside. It's good for me. It's good for my kids. So I put the kid in the front loader, right? 
And, you know, I put 20 or 30 pounds on my back and I just go for a walk for an hour. Be shocked what that does to your, your day yeah. and your sleep and your, your just the way that you do things. Or you have, you know, a meeting, which doesn't work on a, a podcast like this because of the sound and mm -hmm. stuff. Don't want to insult the reader listening to me kind of, you know, <laughs> slow breathe on a, on a, on a, my ruck. But if you, if you can, if you're catching up with somebody, put 20 pounds in your bag and go for a walk, right? Yeah. And, and just talk to them that way. You don't always have to be on Zoom. You don't always yeah. have to do these things, you know? cell phones are, are pretty amazing things. And, and like, I know it rains a lot in the UK. You guys got great rain gear. <laughs> Go do it anyway. doesn't matter. You know, nope, it's, uh, it's so, so like, that's how you start them is you just sort of move more and you don't have to be a hero in any of this. You can just kind of say, Hey, where's the incremental things that I can do? Can I, can yeah. I take the stairs when I'm going to the airport or in the tube or whatever? Can I, you know, when I've got, like, I have a, I have, two different rucks right by my door, right? Yeah. At my house. And I have a 45 pound and I have a 30 pound. And I've been doing this a while. So I'm, I'm comfortable with, with those weights. And sometimes I like a little more. Sometimes I feel like a little less when the dog's got to yeah. go out, I grab one of them. Sometimes that's a 10 minute walk. Sometimes it's a 30 minute walk. I mean, these are the, these are the ways that, that have really, really worked for me and they yeah. become completely foundational, right? So these are not, the heroic acts of do this and do this. But if you said, Hey, go climb a mountain now, like I'll, I'll, I'm good. I've got this strong yeah. foundation. If you said, Hey, you know, stack some strength stuff on top of it, you know, push ups or squats or, you know, presses or these other things, like you have to do that a little bit, you know, in addition, but it doesn't have to be heroic stuff. And I think the more of us that are just generally healthy, it's going to come from more movement. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just jump in. I I can't agree more. And it's it's funny how we we started doing the whole walking thing and like looking at walking for time and in, engaging with it because when we started branching out, so most of our clients that we work with in our coaching programs all over the world, and we started collecting data from each and every single one of them. And the thing that stood out to me was what happened was in the North America, and I'll, I'll pick up North America, not just the Americans, but just North America in general, include the Canadians in there. Uh, what we saw was their average walking steps per day was at around 3,000 per day compared to Europeans or somewhere down in Australia where it was at seven to 9,000 a day. That was like, oh, wow, that's a big difference. Even people who are like quite fit, quite active, but even the um, beginners who need to lose weight, that's where the issue was. So it's like it started us off in this whole trend and like this, 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 um, this I don't know what's the word, like path to dive into the world of walking or what happens. So anecdotally, what we found, you talk about like putting, a, putting a, you know, doing rucking, going for a walk, move more, doing all this. We, we found that people's fat loss results would literally like go through the roof, as in losing weight, when we added a walking and specific walking habits per day into it. So what we, ha what we had was people doing weight loss programs, they're doing training four or five times a week, and they weren't, we weren't really monitoring their, their training. And they would like get okay results, but nothing great. We do the same plan with same people, but add in 30 minutes of walking, suddenly their results went through the roof. Now, funnily enough, research has just come out mm -hmm. showing that like, if you don't walk eight and a half thousand steps a day, in, alongside your, um, your workouts, you're basically minimizing the fat loss effect. That's just, that's just come out like a week or so ago. So we're like, we've seen it. Research to me, that's, it's, it's like, I mean, look, there's a million studies that come out and, you know, I, none of them surprise me. This is so obvious, right? It's like how people yeah. don't, 
people don't need more knowledge. They need more motivation or more accountability. Like we don't yep. need another training plan. We need a friend. And like, mm-hmm. so if, if you actually look at all of this, like everything in, in my country and, and across the pond, Europe's more built around basic locomotion, you know, especially yeah. in the cities. Yeah. I've seen some creep of the, the suburbs over there, which I would bet is not quite as, you know, there's not quite as much locomotion by foot going on. But when you look at it is, I just see this, this terrible shift towards everything becoming so private all of the time. Mm. Right. And, and everyone is, is lonely and isolated and, you know, you can't, you don't need anybody to do anything for you. So you just kind of retreat back to, to your, your little private life with your walls and your, your gates and your driveway and your, you know, you come in and you lock the door and you don't, you know, you can stare at a screen and work out at home and like none of it's working. Like every measure of human health is catastrophically worse than it was three years ago. And it wasn't good then. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you kind of say, how do we, how do we do these foundational fundamental, obviously walking is huge, right? For, for me, it sounds kind of frankly boring, right? Mm -hmm. So I need a way to kind of challenge myself a little bit, a little bit more, but I also like the benefits are enormous. Like I'm not like I'm for walking by the way. Right. Like I'm not always walking around with 45 pounds on my back, you know? Um, but, but so it's like, you can challenge yourself a little bit more. And there's a lot of people that, that want to do that just to maximize the, the time that they have. But I think the deeper, more systemic thing is how do you, how do you get like the social health side of things going mm-hmm. again? And, and how do you get people in their neighborhoods to act like neighbors or to invite people over or go for a walk or a ruck with your neighbor and talk about, you know, the, the, the world and, and all the things going on in it that you care about. How do you mm-hmm. be more active while you share the best things in life as opposed to just, you know, pretending like buying more things or receiving more things is, is going to do a damn thing for you. It's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) once, once you've got the amount of massive wealth that, that we have in, you know, our countries and it's, it's like more of that is not going to work. So, you know, moving more, becoming healthier, becoming more active to do things will absolutely make you feel better, which will absolutely increase happiness. It's this other dot though, that I also really, really care about, which is the social health side and the social fitness and how to, like, how to do this with somebody else. Like the results will be a infinitely better. If, if every day you got to go to the, the, the individual motivation, well, and say, nobody's looking and I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do it over time. Those results will not be as good as these other people are doing it that I care about. And we're doing it together and they're, they're there right now. And I don't want to not show up because they're there. So you end up doing the thing and it's great. Yeah. And you feel great when you're done and you get a bunch of health and stuff out of it. And that's, that's a win, win, win across the board. Yeah, definitely. Going, going, Go on, going back to your, tra- going back to your training back in, uh, back in the Green Berets, back in the special forces. He's he's mentioned right at the start though, lots of miles, (laughs) lots of, lots of rucking, lots of, you know, miles back in here now. Tell me a little bit about how you, how that carried over to your training, your health in general, because 
Um, it's it's the reason I say that and ask you ask about your advice from back training special forces because we see so many people and I speak to a good friend of ours, Tom Shibler, who's one of the commanders down at uh, the SEALs down in Coronado, and he says you know people come in and people say they want to train like a Navy SEAL, but they don't want to put in the work to do it. All they want to do is like this, this the, the 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 strength training or whatever, but they don't do the conditioning. I put a survey out the other day. <laughs> And literally, conditioning and cardio is the least popular thing out of anything that we train. However, we think it's one of the most important. So going back to your days in training and talking about how rocking influenced your health and your fitness, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't know what rock was when I joined the Army. I mean, I knew you had, I, I guess I'd loosely thought, I mean, I looked at all the different branches and services, and this is just for various reasons, this route made the most sense for, for me to go through. So, you know, the first ruck I got was in basic training and it was like this big, enormous thing, super sloppy weight, you know, face left, you know, double time, follow me, ready, go all that, all that <laughs> stuff. Right. And it, you know, as it got harder, I, I had to get better. You had to, you have to become an expert in footwear and sock and how to pack your rock and how to cinch it and how to do all those kinds of things. And, you know, uh, there's a, a real maxim of, of the training for us, which is, you know, they don't say this, but this is what one of my mentors brought up later on. He's like, to be a great teammate, you first have to be a great individual. And so there is the individual discipline and to, to prepare your body for the training and all of that stuff. And I had done a lot of running before I joined the army because I knew that cardio was so important. There's actually very little running by itself in, in special forces training. And I think the reason why is because there's, there's absolutely no running in combat, right? Mm -hmm. You might ruck run, you might sprint yeah. with, with a bunch of weight on, including body armor and stuff. But like, there is not a single instance I've ever heard of, of someone going for a jog in combat. Like it's <laughs> not a thing, you know? And so, so rucking as this foundational gate for people to go through. I mean, I just became one with the rock, you know, I had started yeah. out with 45 pounds dry and, you know, all the miles in uh, Camp McCall. So, you know, around the Fort Bragg area, North Carolina, pine forests, like never ending lakes and nasty draws around the rivers. And, you know, you got to plan your route correctly, but ultimately it's just, everybody gets beat down by the weight and the miles. It's just an extreme, as you might imagine, an extreme test of your ability to, to endure it physically and mentally. And, and so I got really comfortable with, with that side of it. And then, then, you know, the weight gets a lot more and you're moving slower and they're teaching you team tactics. I say teaching loosely, right? They're <laughs> making sure that you can suffer while you kind of move together and then do some lo <laughs> things loosely thought of as, as, you know, uh, tactically proficient. Um, and, and so, you know, the weight just kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier and the movements got slower, but then, you know, you would put the weight down and you have to go do this raid or you have to go do, you know, work with these locals and train them up. And then you have to do another infiltration and all this. And so rucking, I guess my point is, is, is over two years, rucking was foundational to everything because it is foundational to how wars are fought. You have to, if you're going in to raid a house, you, you will not be jogging into the house. You will not be, you might sprint, but you're going to have weight on. And so that's just like the constant way that, that you, that you train. And then strength training was kind of 
something that you would build on top of, of that. And so because rocking is also resistance training, it's good for things like, you know, muscles and, you know, you can get stronger from rocking is, is mm. the point. And, but not in every way you don't get, you know, upper body, you need to kind of do a little bit more to prepare better or else you'd start looking like Skeletor after, you know, 45 <laughs> or 50 days in the field like I did. So I had to figure out this way. I had to figure out for me this way, because I, I, when I first went in, I thought you're supposed to be big and bulky. And those are the first mm -hmm. people that are gone right in all of yeah. this. Like, you know, the, the, the guy that was this huge, you know, big athlete and he's enormous and he looks like what everybody that was a special forces guy looks like on TV. They're the first ones gone because every step, everything is harder, everything. And mm -hmm. what I, you know, I was trying to be that when I first joined and it just didn't work. Like I go out to the field and just my weight swings would go from 220 to 185 in the course of, you know, a month or, or something. It was just too much. So I stopped bull whipping. I stopped training like that. Like one rep maxes were irrelevant to this. Mm. This is nobody cares what you can do fresh, bro. <laughs> you know, this was about your, the volume of work. So I, I started training with, with, with weights and strength training stuff, you know, odd objects outside in order to uh, kind of increase the volume of strength, like fatigue resistance is what wow. I've read this is kind of described as that military people have more than other people. You know, like it's like the Rocky versus the Russian in that Rocky movie. If you guys have seen that, <laughs> okay. you know, it's just this, this volume of work is what made me strong enough, but I could still move and be fast. And that was a, mm. you know, that was an interesting thing to kind of go through because it just blew all perceptions of what I thought it meant to be, you know, strong and fit and all this stuff. And, and I've, I've kind of with that, like trying to get unnecessarily bulked up, like for what, or, you know, yeah. trying to become so fast that you, you look like Skeletor. Like I, I'm not into that either. <laughs> it's like kind of how to, how to find this correct balance. And what you yeah. find is like the body types of people that go through special forces are sort of this super medium type and and that's what it kind of drives you have to be strong enough but you have to be able to move a million miles with weight on your back and yeah. and so it, it creates a that kind of body type that's james i can see you were making notes I, I know you want to come in on this point right no but it's, it's there's so many there's so many great quotes like one rep maxes were irrelevant like yep. there's you know the big guys are the ones who finish you know you're the first to go i've seen it over the years and it's it's interesting just from my my own personal journey, like I was playing sports, um, you know, in, in the police, running up and down mountains, then I didn't, I didn't know what strength training was. And then I discovered it in America. I went to America, discovered powerlifting, discovered all these things. And everyone was telling me, you need to do the one rep max. You need to hit your max bench, you hit deadlift. I did that for six years. I felt pretty shitty. Like I couldn't move. My hips were killing me. My back was killing me. I was like, I was walking around like John Wayne all the time. I couldn't move. And it didn't carry over to athletic performance. And then I had this light bulb moment. Well, hang on a second. Like there's a fine balance. If you want to be a power lifter, that's great. That's that's a specific niche you can go down here. I want to perform better. I want to be an athlete again. I want to be performing. I want to move better. I want to run up and down mountains. So it's that light bulb moment to me that was, there's enough, enough strength is enough strength. You do, there's, a, there's like a tipping point on certain things you need to have. But the thing that I was missing, I'd lost 
that I'd built up over the years was, was my conditioning, my years of running up and down mountains, my rucking without even knowing it up and down mountains without you know growing up, all this stuff here. Now I got it back quickly because I had that foundation built from years ago. But I start to see more and more of people that they're so focused on building strength at all costs that they're missing, missing the conditioning things and they all want to perform better, but they're missing the key performance thing. And the things I talk to people like yourself, to other great athletes and other performers is that they talk about the miles, the miles, the conditioning, the ability to recover fast enough, the ability to go longer, the re fatigue resistance is what you said, like both mentally and physically. I think that's what people miss out. So again, when people say conditioning is not important, I don't like it. I'd argue that it almost comes first. Yes, we need to move well. We need to like good mobility, good movement. We need a strong base of conditioning. <laughs> but and that's why like the term strength and conditioning is kind of back to front sometimes. People put strength first, then conditioning as an afterthought. I think it's conditioning first, and then you add the strength afterwards as a as a as a better option to to work towards it because that's where the better people, in my opinion and experience tend to perform better unless it's a specific strength sport like powerlifting where that's different entirely but it's, I just wanted to hear your thoughts and like that you sharing those you know that those nuggets of gold quite literally about people performing better and what people do at the highest levels I think is key for a lot of people out there listening to this podcast to realize well hang on a second have I got my things wrong <laughs> should I be prioritizing other other places in my life instead of just going for this one rep max all the time well, shout out to, to, to Gray Cook, who also made the intro uh, on this. And I was chatting with him and he's like, look, I've been in the strength industry for forever. And the strength, it's, it's, it's out of whack because there's too much lifting and not enough carrying. And, mm. and when you think about it like that, I mean, like an yeah. endurance base, if you are carrying 20 pounds, any way you look at it, you're getting both. You're, yeah. you're actually going to get you can, there's resistance to that and you're getting steps. And, and while I wouldn't describe a jump from 3000 feet or sorry, 3000 steps a day to eight or nine or 10,000 steps a day as uh, world-class say marathon training, I would describe it as a fantastic <laughs> start though, to everything, mm -hmm. to anything else you want to do. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's kind of a sexy thing to, to just get super big and strong. And I've, I've been there, man. I've yeah. done that. And it felt kind of good <laughs> yeah. for a while. I was a lot younger, but what I find now is first off the, the heavier, the weight that you, that you push or you lift the, the greater the likelihood of injury, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're in, in the greater likelihood of injury, especially if your form is not perfect, right? So, you know, yep. it's like, first first move well then move often another gray cook uh quote <laughs> yep <laughs> and it, it's it's you know it's one of those things where what's the point of doing a bench press your one rep max bench press where you see you're on the bar you're on the you're um under the bar and your back looks like a rainbow right and you're arching it so heavily so you can push a couple extra. I mean, that's not as interesting to me as try curling your feet up so your your knees almost hit your, you know, like your your the bottom of your chest and then try pressing it, right? That's a lot more interesting because you're relaxing your lower, you're not cheating. Like what's yeah. the point of cheating form to get more weight on something just because I, I for me, the trade-offs are not there. It's not something that I'm, I'm seeking ever. And to your earlier point, 
Yes, in where I was, and, and the seals are the same. An endurance base is absolutely more important than a a, a gym rat. You know, all the reps base that that just doesn't endure. You're and and that's just because also the the training is so long, and you still got to be able to run and that stuff fast, mm-hmm. fast enough. You got to be able to carry odd objects. You got to I mean putting miles in does teach your body to endure that, which forces the recovery side by hook or by crook, man, because Mm -hmm. if you're unable to, to recover in your training, you're going to adapt your training. If you can't endure it physically, then you need to change something so that you can, or else you just won't make it through. So the volume of work is just so high and you can, you can get my, in, what I've seen is you can get longer faster than you can get an endurance base. Like, and, and so you mm-hmm. can't, you can't cheat the miles. Um, yeah. but the, the trick really is like, just not to bowl whip it in, in, in like not to get too lopsided on, on either, on either end and figure out like, what is your why? Like, if you just want to get jacked, like great, go through that phase. It's awesome. Do it. Just, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be that way forever unless you want yeah. to be. It's, 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 you know, it's a free country. It's a free world. Most of it. And, and, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of best set yourself up for longevity, it's probably, it's probably more movement and, and more carries and, and use the lifting to kind of augment that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of, um, the journey we, uh, the, the message we put out there, the journey we try and take most of our clients on the health and longevity, uh, is this going to make me better at 80 years old? That's that, that's our kind of message that we put out there. And we have a sort of basics that we like to our clients to achieve, like uh, what we call WWS, so seven 7,000 steps, seven glasses of water, seven hours of sleep. That's just like basic if you can. And then we take them through a little like journey. We've got a 20-minute walk test. Can you do 1.5 miles in 20 minutes? Then we take him through that up to, can you do four miles in 60 minutes? Then we bring them back down. Then we start with the weighted version. So then carry 5% of your body weight uh, and then 10% of your body weight, 50, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then we take them through this whole year, again, trying to achieve the standards of about four, about four miles in 60 minutes, but, you know, gradually increasing, uh, increasing that weight. So that's the kind of rough journey we 15 we minute miles is, is kind of just a great, that's a great benchmark yeah. and, I mean, again, it goes back to not, not trying to just be a hero. I think we all need big goals. And, and I think big goals are, for me, they're, they're now best when shared with somebody else. Right. So, mm. uh, you know, go, go do a 50, my wife and I have done a couple 50 milers, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's fun. We've done a couple marathons with, with rucks on together and that stuff's fun. It's time. It's time well spent. The yeah. training is part of the process, you know, up the miles, up the whatever. And yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's like, once you have the foundation, you can, you can do all sorts of crazy stuff, but the foundation first. So I, I think that sounds Absolutely. like a fantastic system and, and a way to just kind of get people safely and sustainably because I mean, you just hate to see it where it's, it's January 1st and everyone's going crazy at the gym. And it's like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. January, it's February 1st and it's just a ghost town. Like it's and not there's nobody there. Yeah. yeah. There's nobody there. It's not working. It, it's also not that fun. You know, I mean, I, you know, everyone hates cardio and rucking is cardio for people to hate cardio. I mean, going for a walk <laughs> is a nice thing. Everybody enjoys that putting 20 or 30 yeah. pounds on your back. 
it's a little more, it's a little less comfortable, but it's, you get, you adapt, you get stronger and it's, it's a lot closer to enjoyable than, you know, trying something that's Mm going to get you jacked up out of the gates. Right. I mean, the, the injury rate on running is enormous and it's especially for people that are trying to get back into running. And it's especially for people that don't look like cross country runners. So the bigger you are, the worse running is for you on a, on a, just, you're going to get injured basis and it's not sustainable base. And, and like there's, you need to ease yourself into whatever your big, your big goals or challenges are. And, and, uh, you know, walking and rucking and a little bit of lighter weight strength training. Cause you also want muscle mass, you know, I mean, that's another part of it is you don't want to turn into Skeletor, not just because like I get skinny is like, you know, glamorized in, in some of these places, especially for, for girls, which is, you know, mm. not extremely healthy, yeah. but all of us, all of us need muscle mass in order to, you know, li- live the best life that we can live he- healthiest and, and all that stuff. We're not saying anything new here, right? No. no. But it's, 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 it's interesting. It's exactly how we think it as well. And like you talk about the, the running injuries and we talked to everyone about it and we've seen it over the years. And again, go back to the phrase, walk before you can run, but no one actually does it. And like, so for us, we have kind of two, two kind of like kind of golden rules for working with somebody and have this conversation. Because again, most people assume running with like pain, suffering and just like pushing through it to the best they can. But it comes with injuries down the line. We all, we all know that. But what we kind of say is there's two things. Okay, first of all, um, what's your waist to height ratio? If your waist is over half your height, we don't want, really want to see you run because every step you take is literally three to four times force. But going through your body, it's just a recipe for disaster. So it's like a litmus test for us. Go, look, if your waist is over half your height, you know, there's, as well as all the risks of metabolic diseases long term, it's a potential issue. So maybe we don't want to do it, which means we then want to go to look at rucking first. So we want to get you moving, but let's talk about rucking. Now, the other thing as well is a lot of people like we have all sorts of people coming into us and we, we make everybody when they come into the assessments take the 20 minute walk test. Not many people can do it. Like literally like, I'm sure you, you, you fly, you've been rocking with 50 pounds, you'd be fine. But like, <laughs> we, but literally get people come into it. Yeah, it's an easy test. And they hit a mile if they're lucky, like literally if they're lucky. And then maybe 1.2, like if they're really going, but it takes, it takes a little bit of effort. But our thing to us is this, we can prepare the joints, the tendons, the muscles, the body in order to run. So if you can't walk one and a half miles in 20 minutes, your body's not ready to run. Like think about all the ligaments and the ankles, the shins, everything. So we need to prepare and get you walking, get you rucking so that yes, it may be a slower way to get you running but we're preparing and conditioning you so much better so that you can enjoy running. So when you go to start running for the first time, like the people do in January, you know, they're, not, they're gonna do it with a smile on their face with a bit of conditioning behind them, not like a, oh my God, this sucks, this is killing me. So it's like, this is where we kind of like, we love your approach with, with rucking because we see it as, as such a fundamental human thing to do and a foundational tool for so much good stuff that comes out of the social aspect, getting outside, getting some vitamin D, enjoying the fresh weather, getting moving more, but getting the conditioning and preparing people without them realizing it, that we'd love to get them to run. But most of the time people start running, but they suck at conditioning or have got no conditioning and their body's not prepared to it. So it's gonna make running suck even more and they're gonna hate it even more. And that's kind of like the, the vicious cycle people get into. And that's why, like I said, we love rucking. We think it's great. And we kind of, that's the way we've systematized it a little bit uh, to help people move their goals further forward and just enjoy life more. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, I, 
at, at its core, though, I, I keep going back to, you know, people have to start with their own why. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to involve running or rucking or anything specific. But w- what are your goals? And, and you know, happiness kind of reigns above all of this. And, and so when you start looking at mental health and physical health and social health, and you can say spiritual health, or you can go that in with mental health, but you, you kind of need that triangle to be functioning correctly. And when you don't like doing more push-ups is not going to make you happier if everything else is working. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I mean, walking more by yourself, it, it might lower your risk of diabetes or whatever, but it's not going to make you happier if, if you do it in isolation or you do it on your treadmill, you know, staring at Mr. Spandex telling you to, you know, out of way boys, <laughs> like, you know, good job. Like it's, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to solve the problems individually. Mm. But what really we want to be is, you know, fulfilled and have a mission and a, a why and a purpose. And, and, and we only have so much time. And so mm. how do we kind of jumpstart ourselves a little bit? And I think you guys are doing an excellent job of, of, of really ramping people up in a sustainable and a, in a healthy way. Um, and the other part of it is that the, the, like mental health is such a, it's such a buzzword right now. And so yep. there's billion dollar apps and you download them and you listen to waterfalls or you talk about your feelings or, you know, they say, Hey, you know, you got to go to the, to the shrink and you got to, you know, same deal. It's, it's live and it's in person and you got to talk about your feelings there. And I'm not here to, you know, it, like mandatory disclaimer, if that stuff works for you, I'm not against that stuff. I just, I don't think that solving mental health and isolation is, is, is going to it's hmm. it's one of those things where it's it's a huge problem in, in the veteran space with veteran suicide and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Yeah. And and what you find is what people are missing is a sense of purpose and a sense of why. And, you know, because they're used to serving on a team, they're used to having camaraderie, they're used to, you know, that, that is tied in with with the physicality to it. And you have mission and purpose and, and all of those things that kind of fill your fill your cup up and so you've got, you know, mental health kind of follows the physical health and the social health. And then you're just kind of life's a pretty good place, even though there's some really hard parts to it. And I think if we kind of looked at it more like that, that more of us would invite other people to go on walks or rucks or wh- whatever, do go on hikes or trips or come over for dinner, right? just be more social with the people that we yeah. want to spend time with. And we might, you know, stop trying to download stuff to, to solve the, the, the problem of the day in our lives. There's no silver bullets, right? Like the thousand dollars in running gear that you're going to get at Christmas is not going to make you happy. And it's not going to motivate you. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Right. Like you have everything you need to go walk right now. you like, bear could be great depending upon where you are. Right. Um, shoes are, shoes are probably a good thing. But yeah, I mean, you get my point. It's, it's, it's kind of not <laughs> yeah. like we're not missing anything except like except the most important things. And that's the biggest problem in all of this. So like I, I really, really uh, applaud what you guys are doing to, to get people safely into this and not just like there's so many people, there's so many snake oil salesmen out there that are just mm. they're selling silver bullets and they, they never actually work. 
absolutely. Was that sort of the philosophy, getting people out there, socialising, etc., behind the uh, behind the Go Ruck clubs? Yeah, I mean, those started organically. So we were running events and still are, but COVID took a little bite out of that uh, all over the yeah. country. And people just wanted to kind of organize themselves. And because, you know, you meet these great people at these events and how do you stay in touch with them? You meet great people, you want to do more with those great people, not just, you know. Uh, and yeah. so they started forming organically. And before you know it, we look up and we have 500 go rock clubs around the country and around the world. And it's just people coming together for social fitness and they it's community led. They get to pick and choose and it's, it's free. Yeah. And it's like some of the best thing that you can do with your time. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I do it myself. You know, we meet in my driveway on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, we meet in front of go rock HQ a few times a week. And I'm not there for every single one all the time, mm-hmm. but several times a week, you know, and these, these are people that I, I enjoy, I mean, there's so much kind of like the word community has been so bastardized. There's no such thing as an online community. There's no such thing as a digital community. It, it has to exist in the real world. And those are the people that we spend the most time with and that we care the most for. And whether it's our family or our friends or, or in, in this case, the people that we work out with and, you know, yeah. In, in front of our building or at our gym or at whatever. And if you take the headphones out, right, maybe put the big boom box out and you're kind of all doing it <laughs> together instead of just in our own little caves, it's, it's yeah. an enormous way to bring people together. And the sense of fulfillment that comes out of that is, is extremely rewarding because if left to my own devices, look, I, I really enjoy putting weight on my back and going for a walk, hiking or rucking or just exploring a city or whatever the case may be. Right. I just really enjoy it. I do. I do not enjoy as much the strength training stuff. I don't have a build for it. I've never, mm. I don't enjoy going to the gym. I don't enjoy that stuff. And and yet I, I do it number one, because it's important and, and it is healthy, but I do it because it's also socially healthy because I do it with other people that I'm with. And so yep. it makes it fun. Like doing you know, sandbag push presses is not fun, but doing that with other people, I find fun. Yeah. And so, you know, in that process, you become friends with people. And, you know, we have like this loneliness and this, this, this enormous kind of depression epidemic that's spreading in the Western world. And, and there, there are absolutely fixes that have been proven over the course of millennia for that. Mm-hmm. It's go do things with other people. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really sick. We don't need another study to tell us what to do. We don't need all, like, this is so basic. Call some friends up and do some healthy stuff, right? Like, you know, you want to go to the bars? That's great. Go for a ruck before you go to the bars. It's, it makes it even better, <laughs> That's man. That's a great idea. Like a cold, a cold <laughs> beer, right? A cold beer after a ruck is a hundred times better than just a cold beer. You can quote me on that. Fully agree. Go go for the rock. (laughs) Go for the rock and and get the full experience. Love it. Go on, James. I was, I was just like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's why I, I play cricket still. It's like I play cricket like competitively. Like it's, it's what I enjoy the most. It's like having that, having that um, camaraderie with my, my teammates on the field for eight hours during that day, and then we go for a beer afterwards. But we've also introduced the idea of a coffee before. So like it's that's that's what I enjoy the most. I train now to make sure I'm still playing cricket at the highest levels because it's part of the camaraderie and the social aspect that I enjoy the most. And that's what gives me my health. That's what gives me the kick for my training in general. So. I always say, find some meaning to 
your training. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna train, get some give some meaning towards it. If you wanna like go out with people and go ruck, absolutely. If that gives you meaning in life, absolutely do that. But if you if it's if you know ruck, find a reason. Go and do one of your events, for example. Mm. Like if you wanna try and do it, if you want to get into the whole process, like just or find a mountain involved. to go climb. Or yeah. or you know, like start <laughs> yeah. out with a five K or a ten K or a fifteen K. Like we do need these kind of communities and individuals we need our super bowls right Mm -hmm. we need our you know world cups if you will Mm -hmm. we need our premier league final like we need those moments to kind of validate and and bring us to those moments where we we have like a more of a check-in you know and 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 so finding those is is hugely important And, and what i heard from you though is your why is because you love the camaraderie of the people that you, you play cricket with. There's no financial incentive for, you're not going to be like, you know, the, the, the world's best cricketer anymore. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things. That it, 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 it's like you want to train because you want to share that time with those people. And that becomes why you do this other stuff. And I think that's, I think the more of that that exists, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was saying in preparation for the podcast uh, yesterday, I uh, I googled whether I could have whether there was a go ruck club round here, and there's not. I was very disappointed. I'm gonna have to start my own go ruck standish. Uh, that's where I am. <laughs> we we do have some in in the UK. It's it's harder to kind of publicize yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I found one like in London. Actually, yeah, for sure. And you know, there's you know we've we've got a strong partnership with with Beaverfit over there and. You know, working on more stuff with Wit, which is in London, and and there's, you know, it's it's great. We're 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 doing more, and we'll continue to do more over there. So I'd expect it to kind of start. But the other the other thing is 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 you can literally start your own. Mm-hmm. So and and I say this, it's not this enormous thing. Like you plus one person is a club. Like yep. that's the thing. <laughs> you know, and some of them, you know, we have a club in Tokyo that's got hundreds and hundreds of members. And then, you know, we have some other clubs, like my wife has a club for the moms in the crew and it's kind of, you know, way downplayed. And there's like, not, there are like 10 of them. They don't want it to be any bigger, (laughs) right? It doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't matter. Like remove all the excuses and all the reasons why we can't do something and just say, just start with where you are and, and just, you know, invite a buddy. Now you got yourself club. Love it, absolutely. Uh, before we uh, before we wrap up, uh, I want to ask you what's uh, what Sandlot? Because you founded a new company, Sandlot uh, Technology, was it? Yeah. Incorporated in twenty twenty. Yeah. So in the height of the kind of global pandemic, it was this idea of you know we have five hundred go ruck clubs, and I'm just like I am morally and diametrically opposed to this vision of sort of the metaverse and people living on their phones and their screens. And so mm. uh, a buddy who's been on the go ruck board for a while, he was, his name is BJ. He, he was at Nike. He put four number one apps in the app store with Nike plus and Nike training and all that stuff. Um, so he's kind of got this technology background. Plus he's kind of a college athlete meathead. So we get along pretty well. And um, so it's, it's in essence, it's a, it's a geospatial fitness app. So what does that mean? It means that, and it's only in the U.S. right now, sorry. Mm. But no. it, we took all these 500 <laughs> Gora clubs and we said, okay, so what are you doing? Because I, I, it's, it's cool that you're a club, but how do I know what you're actually doing? That, that is yeah. what an active club is. And so when you open up the app, you see a map wherever you are. It shows you, it's, it shows you the map. And it's like, okay, this is what this club is doing on this day and this day and this day. And you can just show up. 
And so everywhere you go, you've got that. And then there's, there's sort of this, this push in, in a broader sense to kind of just empower more people to pick the, the, the date, the time, the activity of any activity and put it in wherever they want to. So you can train in parks, you can train on the beach, you can do whatever. And, you know, so empowering trainers to, to do more that goes direct to, to people instead of you've got to be this official member at this thing, or you've got to do this stuff. Like we just have so many unused parks and unused, you know, garage gyms, even and unused yeah. everything. And so we just, like activity is the Northern star. So bringing people together and, and, and empowering them to do that is, is the goal of that. Love it. Fantastic. Um, where can people find out more about uh, yourself and, uh, and go rook? Well, we're go rock on all the anti-socials on your, on your uh, phone. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can probably hunt me down on, on there as well. I'm kind of phasing some of my stuff out, but, uh, yeah. And then in the, in the UK, we have a strong partnership with Beaver fit. So we have some, you know, rucking cool. gear with them or just go yeah. has all of our stuff. And, nice. Uh, no, your well. gear is, um, and, I was browsing your gear is fantastic. Like you can tell it's, Really good quality, yeah, uh, quality stuff. I came across some sand kettlebells. Me and James are big kettlebell fans. We've used them for many years. I had never seen sand kettlebells before. I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're a lot easier to ship. They're a lot more portable <laughs> that way. You know, like you, yeah. if you drop sand, uh, if you drop sand on your face too, it, it feels a little bit better than dropping <laughs> cast iron or a lot whatever better than the case cast may iron be, on so. your face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, you put them in your garage or something, you can just stack them all, stack them all. And the big ones, the yeah. big ones, what a, a good way to, to, to work those is, is, um, yeah, you guys probably know all this, but like asymmetrical carries. So farmer's carries, you know, mm, single yeah. arm suitcase or suitcase, yeah. single arm farmer's carries, both arms, like, you know, it, do some strength stuff and then go to the end of the block and back with something like yeah. that. And it just, it's, it's a great way to kind of add some steps to your workout and if you're outside, it's even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, guys, uh, check out gorook.com. Uh, their gear is uh, is really excellent. Lots of uh, ruckers and boots and socks and all sorts of apparel and sand kettlebells. Grab yourself a sand kettlebell. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Sweet, man. Enjoy, ch- enjoy chatting with you guys. Thank you, guys, for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Fit Over 30 podcast with Josh Kennedy and James Breeze. If you love listening to these episodes, then please let somebody else know about this podcast. That's how you can help it grow. And the more it grows, the more free content we can bring to you. Also, if you'd like to learn more about how we help people over 30 with a more bespoke training solution, you can book in for a free consultation with us at strengthmatters.com forward slash call right now.